amazed in the presence of Jesus in Nazareth.
today. It was hard to come to church tonight. Not that I didn't want to come to church, but sometimes I just don't feel like coming at the last minute. I wasn't sick or anything. I just caught up in some stuff at home, and then it's like, oh, it's about 5.30 already. I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm glad I got to finish what I'm doing. Then it's time for church. So you know what I did? I stopped what I was doing to get ready for church. But it's also a temptation to find something that you need to do that's not wrong, but it's good to do, and it's maybe even necessary to do. But it isn't important to put the Lord in His right place. Amen. And so it's not just Wednesday night, it's whatever it is in our life, we put the Lord first, not just by church. Church is just a reflection about what we feel, what we think we should do that's right. And I'm sure the Lord appreciates people who are faithful, and I do too. And it's not always easy to be faithful because things always come up. How many of you have ever experienced things always coming up? Yeah. I'm not looking. But things always come up. Yes? Always. And usually it's on the day of the church. Uh, all right, let's come to the book of Old First Corinthians and also to begin with Mark chapter 16. So Mark chapter 16 first and then 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The lesson tonight is about 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but to lead into it, we're going to go look at Mark chapter 16. Because it is important to realize that when we go and do something for the Lord, we must do it in the right way. Now, whatever we do in this lifetime, especially with work, we must follow instructions and do things the right way. Otherwise, a product, something we bake, something we cook, something we produce, something we fix, it would not be done properly if we don't follow instructions. But the first thing to do is to know what to do. Here's what we're supposed to do. Mark chapter 16. I told you to turn there, but I didn't turn there myself. Bad example. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse number. Fifteen. Sixteen fifteen. Afterward he appeared unto uh that's the that's fourteen. Fifteen. And he said unto them, his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a very common verse for the New Testament Christian. It is a common verse. It goes on in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, the Lord tells the disciples where to go. Where to go. Where are they supposed to go? Okay, verse 16 says, Go ye into all the world. So where do we go, Lord? He says, into all the world. And when we go, uh, who do we talk to? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we have two things to know about what the Lord told the disciples and by extension what the Lord told the local church. Go everywhere and do something. Talk to everyone. And here's what to say. Go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel. So here's where to go, here is who to talk to, and here's what to say. Isn't that pretty simple? But isn't that good to know very, very basically what a Christian is supposed to do now? Um, it doesn't say how to say the gospel. It doesn't say how to give the gospel. It just says go and tell the gospel. That is not mentioned. But I want you to come, before we come to 1 Corinthians 9, one more verse. This would be Proverbs chapter 11. So if you turn to Proverbs chapter 11, we will see some instruction to this New Testament verse in Mark. Proverbs chapter 11. And all this is leading up to the main subject for tonight. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30. All right, Proverbs 11, verse number 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. All right, now, uh, you need to have zeal, you need to have some enthusiasm, you need to be obedient, but as you go and speak for the Lord, you must be wise. Having said that, now come to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 9. 
I come to verse number 19, 9-19. We'll look at verses 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20, uh, 19, 9-19. Keep in mind, preach the gospel to every creature, all the world, and you must be wise. Now he says in verse number 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Verse 20, And unto the Jews I became a, uh, as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Verse 21, To them that are without the law. You notice the different groups of people he's referring to? Jews, those who don't have the law. Verse 21, to them that are without law, as without law, be not without law to God, but under the law of, to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. Verse 22, another group of people, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. Then he says, I have made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Verse 23, and this I do for the gospel's sake, and I might be partaker thereof with you. So these verses talk about the great commandment, the great commission. These verses talk about being wise in giving the gospel. But I want you to know some things in this passage of scripture about uh, how Paul thinks about himself as, as a messenger of giving out the gospel. Now, would you all agree that the gospel is the best news that everybody's ever heard? Would you agree that without the gospel, we'd all be pretty much miserable people? That the gospel has done a lot of good things in this world from the first century. And so the gospel is what he's talking about. He's talking about winning people to Christ. And he says here, uh, I am a free man in verse number 19. Though I be free from all men, I am not forced to do what I am doing. I'm not under obligation. I'm not forced to do what I do. I am not compelled to do what I do. I do it voluntarily. For though I be free from all men, no one makes me do this. I do this because I want to. Yes, God has called me to be the apostle to the Gentiles, but I am not obligated to any man. I voluntarily take this course of action. I will do this because I want to. Now, he's made himself a servant unto all men. That is his method. That is his method. I have made myself, verse 19, a servant unto all. I've made myself a servant. Now, isn't it true that Jesus said, if you want to be great, be a servant in the gentile world in the world of the non-christian we i think greatness is by achievement we think greatness is by stepping over other people we think having a big position or having a big salary that's greatness being a household name is greatness but jesus said if you want to be great be a servant and so he says paul says for though i be free from all men yet i have i made myself uh, made myself a servant. So Paul, Paul is following the Lord's admonition. If you want to be great, be a servant. Uh, and Jesus demonstrated servanthood by washing the disciples' feet. Remember that in the book of John. And so that is about serving. And so Paul says, I am going to be a servant. I'm going to, I'm going to lower myself. I have status in life. I have position in life. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I am a great man religiously by my peers. They think I'm a great man. And perhaps am in my education, in my, my heritage, and everything else about me. But he says, wait a minute, that doesn't make any difference to me. He says, I'm going to reduce myself to become something very, very important. More important than my position or what people think I am, that's greatness. I'm going to lower myself to what is true greatness. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to serve. And he says in verse number 19, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant as if, as if I'm forced to do this as if I'm under employment as if I am obligated to my master he said but I'm not I do this voluntarily now of course his master is the Lord and so we understand that part but he is simply saying no one has a gun to me to tell me you must do this no one has a spirit to my back saying you must do this I do this willingly voluntarily I have made myself a servant unto all men and that is the method of reaching people with the gospel then look at his motive he says that I might gain them more. So he says, I'm going to be a servant for this reason, motive. 
verse 19, that I might gain the more. He wants to gain more. He wants to have more. Not for the sake of just saying I have more, but he wants to gain more souls for Jesus Christ. And so that's the reason why he becomes a servant. And so uh, verse number 19 is principle. And we look at more verses. He's going to put some flesh to it. Now he says in verse number 20, unto the Jews, I became a Jew. Now I want you to see the wisdom that he has in reaching different groups of people. When it comes to the Jewish people, his own people, he says, unto the Jews, if I'm talking to a Jew, if I'm witnessing to Jews, if I'm trying to give them the gospel, unto the Jews, they came, I became as a Jew. Reason? That I might gain the Jews. So Jewish people, of course, are his kin. They are his kinsmen. And in Romans chapter 9, let me read some verses to you that he wrote about his own people. Listen carefully. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continuous sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed for, from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom are as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed be forever. Amen. Now, Paul tried to give the gospel to his own people, and he says, for me to do this, first of all, I want you to know, he says, that I have a great burden for the people that are my people, and he says, I will be a servant to them to give them the gospel. And he says, when I talk to them, Jews, verse 20, here's what I would do. As unto the Jews, I became as a Jew. I became as a Jew. What does that mean, I became as a Jew? He's already a Jew. He's not talking about being a physical Jew, trying to, no, no, he's saying when I talk to a Jewish man of my own heritage, of my own religion, he says, I will talk to him about the things of the law. I'll talk to him about the things of the Old Testament. I'll talk to him about the things of the customs and the traditions and the rituals and the sacraments. And I'll, I'll talk to him about that. I will identify with them so that I can give them the gospel. So he is saying in wisdom to be wise, I have to talk to them of the things pertaining the adoption, the glory, and the covenants, and so on. And so how is he to reach them? He is going to reach them by talking to things that pertain to them. Talk to them about things that they understand, things that I understand. I will reach them. I'll connect them. I'll bridge them. I will be able to have their ear because we're talking on the same page. We're talking about the same thing that we all are accustomed to. We've grown up with this. We've had education, the same thing. But there's a difference, and I want to show them the difference. But for me to do that, I have to identify with them the things that pertain to the customs, etc. And so the Jews have all of these things, and it says for me to reach them, I must identify with them. And that's why he says what he says, because he wants to gain them more. Verse 20, unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. So, and then he says to the next group, to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Same group, I should uh, correct myself there. And then he says in verse 21, another group, to them that are without law, as without law, that I might gain them that are without law. What is he saying? He's saying, okay, if I talk to Jewish people, my own people, I talk to them so that we can have something in common, and I will take that and go to the next level and give them the gospel which they miss. Now, when I talk to someone who doesn't know the law, I don't talk to them like they know the law. I don't talk to them as if they should understand what I'm saying. No, no, I have to adjust what I'm saying to them and talk to them in terms that they can understand. So I will be like those without law. Now, he would not be lawless, but he was say, he's really saying, I will remember who I'm talking to, I will know my audience, and I will speak to them accordingly and reason with them accordingly. And so, uh, if people have no knowledge of the law, then I have to try to begin very simply with them and begin plainly with them, beginning from the beginning, to bring them up to, quote, speed so that they understand what I'm trying to say to them. And so, must have common ground with them. Now, uh, when, when Paul dealt with people, he always, and the Jews especially, he always began with the words similar to what he said here. When he went to the synagogues, 
men brethren men and brethren he's not he's saying i'm one of you not only do i look like you but i'm one of you and we come from the same family we're kin and as he goes into that and when you talk to someone who's a stranger and you're trying to communicate with them about something important that they may not have yet or maybe they misunderstand you want to first of all identify with them before you can give them the truth in a way you have to be wise and not just are you sure you're gonna to go to heaven you die right now at the first to meet someone well that may come to that point but sometimes we get in our zeal we kind of bypass some common sense things to get to the important thing we have to give credit to people who have zeal like that but usually people need to get an introduction or uh, some gradual transition into the real heart of the problem and so we have to have some wisdom about witnessing the people we have to speak on their level and so um, if you die today would you go to heaven well would that be the first thing to say to someone well that's a good question but maybe not the first thing to say to someone when you first meet them now I know sometimes you never meet someone again so you have to take every chance of the second that you have but usually usually you want to make sure that you have something in common uh, for example I would say this for sure and just passing on some common sense if you meet someone who's a stranger or you meet someone or talk to someone who is somewhat familiar with you on a casual basis you, you want to be sure that um, at least they have some respect for you at least they don't find anything wrong with you initially uh, let's take for example if this if it's someone you meet for the first time uh, you at least want to be appearing to be normal right I mean if you if you've got a, if you got a hangover you know you can't look straight because you know and, I mean I mean I don't mean a physical problem but I mean if you if, if, if you just you're still drunk I mean if you're still drunk you don't want to pass out tracks if you're still drunk if you're still high on drugs you still you don't want to pass out tra tracks if you uh, obviously pass out drugs you don't pass out tracks if you're still high on drugs okay or if you are mad at someone and you, you you're cussing at the whole world you don't have to pass out track at that point you see that's not a good thing you there has to be some buffering some softness some introduction some some warmth there first a little, little bit you know and so um, that's what that's what this is about so far wisdom this is to say that I become all things to all men what I will tell you tonight what it means I'll tell you next week what it does not mean so there's two things I want to pass on to you tonight number one what all this means number two next time what it does not mean because it does not mean what people say that it means so tonight I will tell you what it means he means when I'm talking to my own kind Jews I communicate with them about things we have in common and then I'll go to the gospel whether they like it or not I will get to that point they might receive what I say if I transition to the real heart of the matter if I talk to someone who is without the law I will talk to them accordingly appropriately I will change gears to talk with them and I will treat them with respect I will treat them and talk to them with kindness and grace and I will get to the heart of the matter but I won't be cruel to them I won't just jump on them all of a sudden we don't want to do that and so Paul uh, treated people uh, with respect when he spoke to them about the gospel now uh, come to verse number 22 he says to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak what does that mean weak 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 in what sense to the weak became I as weak was, was he talking about weak physically I don't think so was he talking about someone who's weak mentally perhaps was he talking to someone weak in spiritual truth maybe ignorant perhaps so if you talk to someone Paul is saying when I talk to someone who's weak I also became weak what no I don't think he's talking about um, becoming like them he's simply saying I adjust I adjust when I talk with you I talk in certain terms I emphasize certain things when I talk to them who are without the law I've talked to them in a certain way with certain terms to emphasize certain things that I can communicate with them when I talk to those who are weak let's say weak spiritually ignorant spiritually unaware of things spiritually ignorant of the Bible 
I don't give them deep theology at first. I give them something general, something gentle, something easy so they can grab it and they can chew on that. Then I might go into something, hopefully into something more important. So that's what he's talking about. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men. Well, he gave examples of all men, the Jew, those without the law, and to those who are weak. And he's simply saying, he wants to reach people, but for me to reach them, they have to first at least accept me a little bit. They have to, this is carefully how I said, they have to like me a little bit. They have to respect me a little bit. They have to like me a little bit. They cannot find fault with me, how I look, uh, how I talk, uh, how I talk about other things. So I want to take all those things, all those reasons to not listen to what I'm saying. I want to give a, I want to present myself in a way that is acceptable. Acceptable in that when they look at me, as I said, they won't turn me off or cut me off without even me having a chance to give them the gospel because uh, they're offended by, oh, something that is offensive. That could be many things. That could be many things. Oh, you wanna hear something funny? Yesterday I saw people dressed up in Halloween, different things, all different kind of things. I saw a guy, he had a, a, a black hoodie and he was carrying a cardboard. And I said, what a good costume. He's, he looks like a homeless guy. I looked again, it was a homeless guy. I said, what a good makeup costume he's got. He was a real homeless guy, the real thing. I thought that's kind of funny. But I said that for a reason. Um, if, if you went around giving out the gospel, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good thing. But if you, um, well, there's no kind of saying this. If you had bad breath, I want to give you something. And, and you see, you get right in your face. Okay, now that's not a good thing. They'll be so upset by whatever you say that's good is not to be received. So you understand the point. Okay? And so Paul is talking about giving the gospel, and he's saying, I need to be careful that I am at least received initially so that I have a chance for them to listen to me. I can argue with them. I can reason with them. I can have a quote dialogue with them. Now, he is aware of the types of people he is speaking to. If you're talking to children, what kind of words do you use talking to children? If you talk to a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, what kind of words do you use? You don't use 25-letter words. Well, you use simple words. When you talk to a teenager, then of course they're different from a younger child. Teenagers have a little bit more life experience and sometimes a little bit more, you know, but uh, you're talking to a man who's 20, well, you have to adjust how you talk to them. And so that's what he's saying here. You have to have some wisdom when you try to give the gospel to people. And so, now how did the Lord treat people, by the way? We talk about how Paul treated people and how he spoke to people, but how did Jesus Christ himself talk to people? Do you have an idea how he talked to people in the Gospels? That's where you would find out how he spoke to people, how he treated people. How did he talk to people? Did he practice what Paul did? Or did Paul practice what Jesus did? Well, let's take a look here. Uh, I have some references, and some of them are very long passages, so I'll just refer to them and, you know, write them down. Uh, Matthew 4, verses 17 through 22. Well, let's look at this. It's not too long. Matthew chapter 4. Here's an example in the book of Matthew how Jesus talked to people. Now, if you find out how he talked to people, that'd be a big clue as to how you and I should talk to people. Matthew chapter 4. And come to verse number 17. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter. Now, I want to make a point in this passage where he met people. Where he met people. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brothers, brethren, James and the, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, question. We know what he said to them. We also see something else about this meeting with these gentlemen. You find out where he met them. Where he where he met them. Um, he went into his world. He met people while they were working. They're doing their trade. They're doing their routine, this daily routine of, of fishing and cleaning nets and so on. He's walking by where these people worked. So when it comes to Mark 16, every creature, it's about going somewhere, and Jesus went somewhere, and it's about talking to people in a certain way. So he went to where they worked. That's where he met people, in the workplace. In John chapter four, let's look at John chapter four, verse number three. Here's another example of where Jesus went and how he spoke to people. passage is from verses 7 through 42 but look at verse number 3 John chapter 4 John chapter 4 verse number 3 3 through 7 he left Judea and departed again to Galilee and he must needs go through Samaria then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph now Jacob's well was there Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now, stop there and realize this. Jesus is on a mission, and he's walking to hostile territory, through hostile territory, and in his walking this day, he meets a woman. Not by chance, not by good luck, but it was what we call a divine meeting, a divine intersection in which he meets a woman at this well, and we will find out later on in this chapter that he gave this woman some good news. So where did Jesus meet people? In the workplace and wherever he went, <laughs> wherever he went. Now, of course, he was on God's schedule that's for sure. But wherever he went, wherever he walked, he talked to people and people met him and he met them. He met people in his daily routine. Now, also, he met people at celebrations. In John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, Jesus goes to a feast of the Jews in verse number 2. And at the feast of the Jews in John chapter 5, the feast is kind of hard to identify because. A lot of people don't know what it is, so if they don't know what it is, I don't know what it is too. It could be the Feast of Passover, Pentecost, or Purim. And so they, they just don't know, but it was a feast. And at this feast, he goes to a place, there's a pool, and at this pool, there's a lame man there. He's lame for 38 years, and he talks to this lame man. Let's take a look at what he said to him. John chapter 5. Especially verses 2 through 8. John chapter 5, verses 2 through 8. Now, there was a, there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, uh, Bethesda, having five porches. And, and these day a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the movement of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first uh, then first after the trouble of the water stepped in, was made whole of what sort of disease he had. So this is a strange thing. Here's a pool. It's a very well-known pool. It's a pretty big pool. It's got five porches. And at a certain time of the year, a certain time of a festival, the water is touched by an angel of some sort, or an angel, and something happened. And if you're the first in the water, you get healed. Isn't that kind of strange? Now, I haven't done a lot of research on, on that verse, but I want you to know that's a very strange thing. And... And apparently, apparently someone is getting healed. Now, if that was true today, if there's a pool where you can go to to get healed, how full would that pool be? Pretty full, a lot of sick folk in this world. A lot of people have diseases and all kinds of problems. 
what kind of people would you put in this pool if the pool existed today that you can go in and water actually cause you to be healed of your physical problems? What kind of disease would you like to see healed? I know one. Dementia, Alzheimer's. I'd like to see that gone. That'd be gone if we could do that. There's no pool like that here. Uh, what? Cancer. Cancer. That'd be good to have that gone. Uh, talk to a man. His name is Keith. He's from Maui. He's got bladder cancer. Picked him up from uh, Queens. Uh, he's not even 50. He's got bladder cancer. He discovered it by accident. And his doctor says, you know, you've had this problem. The, the guy had a problem for a year and a half. He didn't do anything about it. He just kind of ignored it. Thought he was, you know, not manly to go to the doctor. He finally went because he was hurting him. And the doctor says, you've had a problem for a year and a half. Well, you should have come a lot sooner. And so now he's taking some treatments for it. Comes from Maui every, every two months. And uh, he's very nervous about that. I said, you don't mind if we pray for you, would you? And so I didn't him tonight, but I pray for him in the car. And uh, he's very grateful. Give him a good track for him to read, take with him. I hope to see him again. But uh, Keith, um, he's had a problem. Now, if there was a pool, we could take him to our drum straight to this pool and dunk him in the water. I'll baptize him in the pool. Now I wouldn't baptize I'd just throw him in there. You know, because if he could work, it would work, but it doesn't work. There's no pool like that here. Now, this is what was going on here. And in verse number five, a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie, now look at verse number six. When Jesus saw him lie, he is not lying like a Democrat. When Jesus saw him lie like a Democrat. No, no. When Jesus saw him lie, it's saying lying down. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, in that situation, he said unto him, notice how he talked to him. Wilt thou be made whole? There's no harsh tone to him, to the Lord. There's no criticism of him. Wilt thou be made whole? Verse 7, The that man said unto him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, while I'm crawling, while I'm pulling myself with my arms to the pool, I get trampled over. Another steppeth down before me, cut in line. So he's trying to get to the pool every year, but nothing happens because he's always slow to go because he can't walk. People always cut in front of him. And so that's what he says to him. Look at verse 8. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now, notice how the Lord talked to him. In this instance, where he met this man was at a celebration, at a feast. And he goes there, and in going to this feast, he runs into this impotent man. You learn that Jesus talked with people everywhere he went, on different occasions, in different places. And so, met him at a festival. Uh, sometimes the Lord went to a home. In Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 31, he went to Peter's home. And he talked to his mother-in-law, talked to Peter, talked to people in the home. In Luke chapter 19, when he was walking, he saw Zacchaeus up in a tree. And then he took Zacchaeus into his house, or met him into his house, and talked with him there. So Jesus met people everywhere. By the wayside, by a well, at a pool, in people's homes. In other words, any place could be a place of a meeting. Any place could be a place of a meeting. It doesn't have to be in a church. It could be McDonald's or a coffee. It could be, God forbid, Starbucks. It could be uh, Jack in a Box. It could be something simple like that. It could be on a porch, in a home. It could be in a car. It could be driving in a car, talking in a car. So what did they talk about? So we're looking at, from 1 Corinthians 9, being wise, when you talk to a Jew, <coughs> when you talk to one who doesn't know the law, talk to someone who's weak. In other words, whoever you talk to, you must have some wisdom to know who you're talking to. You must have some sense about, you must be considerate is the word I'm going to use. You must be considerate about that person you're talking to. You can't talk to one person the same way as you do another person all the time. <coughs> you can't talk an inmate like you talk you can't talk to a, a sixth grade child like you talk to a hardened criminal. You can't talk the same way. <coughs> you just can't do that. You can't talk in prison like, you can't talk in church like you talk in prison. Um, 
Let me get my, this is my pool of Shalom water. It will cure me. You know what I have in this black thing? It's just water. It's water from my tap. <laughs> it says bad, but um, I add something to it to make it better. Would you like to know what I add to it to make it drinkable? <coughs> Ice. Ice. That's it. So where was I? Oh, yes. Um, what were they talking about? <laughs> what were they talking about? Well, sometimes Jesus answered questions. Sometimes he asked questions. Sometimes other people ask questions and he answered the question that was asked of somebody else. Uh, an adulterous woman in John chapter 8 asked him questions and he answered her. The scribes asked questions and he answered the scribes. Uh, his mother and his brothers asked questions and he answered their questions. So what did they talk about when they met, when he met people and they met him? Well, they asked him questions. Pharisees asked him questions, he answered them. How did he answer them? A little bit different how he answered children. A little bit differently. So you have to have some wisdom. Now, he connects with people, uh, their thoughts and their feelings and their situations. And when people feel that about you, you likely can go a long way with them to give them the truth and give them the gospel. If you just mechanically give the gospel to people, it's like you're just a salesman. Now, who wants another salesman knocking on your door? Who wants another salesman giving you something and telling you need something? Well, I know that sometimes you don't always have a time limit, a time factor to give people truth about yourself, to know your character and everything like that. But generally speaking, if people seem to trust you, they might be more prone to listen to you. So if you're an employer, an employee, employer. If you're an employee, you treat your employees like dogs, and you're a Christian, you got to fish them on your glass, you got to fish them on your bumper sticker and all these kind of things. And, uh, you know, it doesn't go very far. If you're an employee and uh, you, you know, and, and I mean, look, you have to consider a lot of things and you have to have some kind of integrity for people to at least pay attention to you. So Jesus connected people about their thoughts and their feelings and uh, he, he, seldom, he seldom pushed for a, quote, decision right away. He seldom tried to close the sale right away. He seldom tried to make help. help he, he still had them trying to sign on the dotted line, sign the contract right away. He, he didn't really push hard. And so over a period of three, maybe three and a half years, he gave people an opportunity to believe in him. He gave the Pharisees an opportunity at the beginning, all through, and then they finally rejected him at a certain part. And so by the time his ministry was over on earth, they were hardened, hardened against him, and the Lord spoke to them appropriately. You generation of vipers, you snakes, you whited sepulchers, you, how can you skip the damnation of hell? No, that's how we talk to them. But that's not how we talk to little children. That's not how we talk to a sincere person. But we talk to those who reject him in a different tone. And so you can't talk to people in one tone all the time. You have to have some wisdom when you talk to different people, which requires some, some sense about things, okay? All right, uh, let's see something else here. Uh, who started the conversation? Well, I have something to pass through. In nine instances, in nine cases, Jesus began a conversation. With the Samaritan woman, John chapter 4, he began a conversation. Woman, give me some water to drink. <laughs> uh, pretty demanding, it seems, from the outside. And then uh, a crippled beggar in John 5, he began the conversation. Now, in other examples of a conversation with people, uh, someone counted 25 times where another person began a conversation. Kind of interesting to me. Nine times he began a conversation. 25 times someone else asked him a question or talked about something and then he got into the conversation with them and he discussed it and he responded to people's questions. That's kind of interesting. Uh, rich young ruler, Matthew chapter 19. Uh, Jairus, a synagogue ruler, Mark chapter five, uh, and so on. So you have a variety of ways in which uh, he met people, a variety of ways in which he talked to people. The thing is, the reality is, for, 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 for anyone, any Christian to give the gospel, he has to be a certain place. He has to know what he's talking about. He has to have some consideration for the people he's talking to. And so, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
let's run and go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul says in chapter 9, I am become all things to all men. Now let's see why once again. 1 Corinthians 9. Here's the reason, and I emphasize, here's the reason he became all things to all men. In verse number 19, though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Verse 20, unto the Jew, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law, as under the law, and that I might gain them that are under the law. Verse 21, to them that are without law, as without law, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake. Now, what is he really saying here about why he does this? Well, he says because he wants to gain more. He wants to see more people come to Christ, see more people get saved. And so he is saying, this is how important the gospel is to me and to Christ and to the world. How it can change people's lives if they would receive it. But I need a chance for them to listen to me. I need an opportunity for them to hear me out. Sometimes people get so turned off because of bad Christians in the world, bad things online. Oh, this came up, this tweet, that, and oh, this guy's such a hypocrite. Well, those bad things make people not want to listen to anybody who's a Christian. Mike Johnson, as you heard about him tonight, he's the man who, the only politician I heard in recent years who says, he doesn't just say I'm a Christian, he says, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Wait a minute now, who talks like that? Who says I'm a Bible-believing Christian? I think it's independent Baptists say we're a Bible-believing church, Bible-believing Christian. That's what he said. Now, I don't know what church he belongs to, but he says, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Well, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty good to hear. It's nice to hear that. And um, uh, you, you have to be able to have something about you that people listen to and respect. And so um, tax collectors, did a party. He spoke to them. Heard spoke to them, conversations with other people, and he just knew how to talk to people, didn't he? And Paul also gives us advice how to talk to people because the gospel is important, that I might gain the more, that I may see some people get saved. And so emphasis here is on how important it is for people to be saved. Emphasis here is on how it's important for us to be a little bit wiser so that people will give an ear to what we're saying. All right? So common ground is established. And that's what being all things to all men is about. Now, I was going to tease you. In fact, I did tease you to say, I'll tell you next week about what this is not about. Uh, all things to all men. Let me tell you a little bit about that for next week. When Paul says, I become all things to all men, he does not mean, he does not mean that you do everything to become like people, to identify with them, so that you have a chance to give them the gospel. Now, here's what I mean in an extreme case. And this is what some people mean. It is not what that means. Um, would you like to see some people who drink at a bar get saved? Yes, of course. So what would you do if you wanted to see people get saved in a bar or people like to drink? For example, you know what you would do? Some people say, I become all things to all men. So what that means is you, you go into the bar and you drink. I become all things to all men. I become a drinker of alcohol to win those who drink alcohol. That's not what it means. Uh, let's say, let's say you uh, want to win those street people. Do you have to be a street person, a homeless person, to win a homeless person? Do you have to be a perverted person to win a perverted person? Do you have to wear the earrings and all these different kind of things and look like them to, to win those who are like that? That's not what he's saying, but people think that's what that means. You know what? In another way, I'll say it like this to explain this, to try to clarify this. To become all things to all men, here's how we look at this. Okay, I like certain things. And when people tell me to like certain things, instantly, my eyes get big, or try to. Really, you like tennis? Oh, <laughs> no kidding. You like softball? You like baseball? You like football? Oh, really? And now we're gonna talk about that. And hopefully in that having something come, I get to transition to giving them something spiritual, right? Of course. Oh, you like to eat? 
Oh yeah. Well, you like to you like coffee? You're, you're a connoisseur of a different kind of coffee. I'm not any coffee. All coffee is the same to me except instant coffee. Instant coffee's not real coffee. It's fake coffee. That's uh, not real coffee, but coffee that you grind. By the way, I have a complaint, uh, Hilda. Costco, their coffee grinder is always broken, yes? Been broken for such a long time. I bought two bags of coffee, was on sale, but I couldn't grind it. I have to grind it all one little bit, little bit at a time with a small grinder. I have a complaint against Costco. I asked, when will it get fixed? They say this. It might be months, they say. Well, I don't know if it's going to be months, but I'm going to change my membership to Sam's now. And so, um, what was I saying about the coffee then? Oh, um, so if you like coffee, so that's common ground. You know how some people get hooked into a, a, a cult? They find something in common. You know what Joe witnesses do? They're real clever. Maybe they're wise. When they witness to you, Joe was witnesses, witness. They approach you with their publications and they come across like this. Have you ever wondered why there's so much problem in the world? The first thing they say is they identify with something that's newsworthy. They get you thinking. They don't come and say, you need to come join our Watchtower Society. They don't do that at first. They don't say you must be baptized by us. They don't say you cannot have Christmas, you cannot have birthday celebration. They don't say that at first. That's all coming later. At first they say, have you wondered why there's so much trouble in the Middle East? Have you noticed that there's all kind of in, uh, news reports from the Middle East, and of course Hamas and Gaza, all of that now they're using as an advantage to get into a conversation. They're becoming all things to all men. Smart, smart, smart. Wrong, wrong, wrong gospel. Very wrong. And you know, if you think about this, any cult will start the same way. Wait, let's think. Wouldn't a Christian also be wise to start the same way? Because we do have the truth, and that's what we should do. And so, uh, become all things to all men because the gospel is important. People need it. We need to be wise to give it in the right ways that, and present ourselves in such a way that people will accept us at least. So it does not mean it does not mean it does not mean drink to win the drug, the guys to drink. Learn to surf so you can win the surfers. Well, that'd be hard for most of us here. Uh, learn to skydive to win the skydivers. I uh, would never do that. Learn to parachute to win the parachuters, and then to, you know, whatever it is. Um, the thing is, understand the rule, the principle. We should try. We should be wise. We should understand. We should have consideration for the people that we're talking to. And it takes a bit of time. You can't. Reel them in real quickly. Sometimes it's a long fight. Sometimes when you go fishing, it takes hours to reel the big marlin in. And uh, that's why I'm not a fisherman. It takes too much time. So Paul's advice is very good. I like it. And it's very helpful to me. And But it does not mean you do what they do to win them. It does mean you do consider their feelings, their thinking, their background, their religion. It's a time to be firm. But initially, how about a little gentleness? Initially, how about a little kindness? Initially, how about not having to argue everything they say that is wrong? How about at the beginning, to get to the real issue, how about at the beginning, be a little bit likable so that people at least want to talk to you? At least. Later on, they might hear the gospel from you. Maybe they might want to, and then they may turn you away. But that's okay. It's not because of you. You don't want to turn people away because of you. You don't want to be the hindrance because they don't like you because you are offensive because you're so mean and so you, you're so always criticizing everything and you're so against everything. You talk about people and you gossip about people. and You, you don't want to be, no, not listen to her because she is so gossipy. No. Not listen to him because he's such a mean guy. No, not listen to that boy because that boy acts like an angel, but then when he's by himself, he acts like the devil. Okay, see, these are the kind of things that you want to avoid. These are the kind of things you want to try to be like. Follow his advice here. Become all things to all men. Now, I cannot witness to a woman who is a seamstress because I have no 
knowledge of being a seamstress. I cannot sew. My, my wife sews. I cannot sew. Um, she says, you want to learn? I said, no. Uh, I don't want to sew. Learn. So you sew for me. I just enjoy what you do. But uh, for me to win someone who is a seamstress, I might, I might be, I might be wise to learn something about it, or to, uh, as an example, my way to explain this is for 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 me to um, have an inroad to somebody who likes boats. I should learn something about boating, don't you think? Stand up paddleboarding. I tried it one time, didn't like it. Fell over too many times, and so uh, I should learn how to do that for one So I'm limited in what I can be effectively witnessing because I, I don't know anything about those kind of things. So that's about becoming all things to all men. Become all things to all men in things that are decent and normal and not wrong. Okay? I don't need them on makeup. What do I know on makeup? I know men should not wear it. I know that. I know some women should wear it. I know that. But I know nothing about the composition of makeup. Would it be uh, made out of uh, the bladder of a, uh, a blue whale, or if the makeup, the perfect made out of the um, uh, the gizzard of a um, uh, Komodo dragon. I don't know. You know, all these kind of things that is interesting. The stuff you put in your face, you rub it on, you see, you know, this clay or this whatever it is. Could be coming from, uh, I don't know, I don't know, crushed up meteorite from Mars or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, I could not win a dentist because I'm not, I'm not talking about dentistry. All I'm trying to say, and what I think the, the principle here is, uh, know a lot about different things, learn some about different things, to have some of the conversation so that you can, hopefully, with that, uh, and it's not wrong to say, I don't know anything about that, but I like it, um, so that you can have a chance to give the gospel to people. Uh, we have neighbors around Kanyoi that um, we hope to witness to eventually, but in the meantime, we try to be wise by not being too pushy, not being so obnoxious, not being, you know, bad neighbors. All of that goes a long way, I think. All of that is helpful because it's building up some kind of testimony with people. And, uh, you know, so the desire is there, but you have to have some wisdom in, in presenting the gospel to people. You can't just slam it, cram it down their throat, and tie a rope. It's like, you know, cattle, cattle rustling. There goes the prospect. Pull up, get off your horse, and you time like that in 15 seconds. That is not a good way of witnessing the people. <laughs> That's just wrong. <laughs> and uh, the cattle will not like it, and uh, you won't have a real copyright anyway. But uh, so this is Paul's advice about being wise to witness. Okay? Now, I will say in closing that uh, you have two good examples in Jesus himself and the Apostle Paul himself, and you don't need any more good examples to know how to talk to people. Okay, and I will say this to close tonight's study. It is not wrong for you to want people to like you for the sake of the gospel. It's not wrong. It's actually very good. It's actually very good. Because you'll always have a chance to talk. They'll always come back to the one who's kind. They'll always come back to the one who was truthful. They'll always come back to the one who appears to have concern. Come back to that. Okay? All right. So. I become all things to all men. I'll get further next time about what it does not mean. There's lots to say about what it does not mean. Father, thank you for the Bible. We pray that you help us to practice it wisely and in the, the witnessing area of the Christian life, help us to be more consistent and as we try to, help us to be wiser in giving the gospel to people. Most of all, help our character and our testimony to be sincere and uh, almost without flaw or without rebuke uh, from the outside so that people will at least listen to someone who's honest and of good character. So Lord, help us um, in these matters. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.